Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Well, surprise, surprise, surprise. We start this hour with something from the no kidding department. Turns out the amount of deaths from COVID might have been highly exaggerated. What? It's Kendall Casey Show. I'm Rob Ethan Hatcher in for Casey. Don't forget, you can hear him every Saturday evening, Saturday night on the Circle 7 to 9 here on 93 WIBC. Kev's here as well. So apparently the New York Times has a new piece out talking about the difference in deaths with COVID versus the deaths from COVID. Mm, Now there's a difference. Well, isn't that interesting? Because during this whole thing, we were talking about how you could have some guy who got run over by a bus, but they were testing everyone for COVID. And if you had the COVID, you died from COVID. And much of that was because the amount of money, institutions, hospitals, governments, whatever we're getting based on how many people had the COVID. And so I want to read from this expose in the New York Times, because, again, this is another example of the something we were saying from the beginning. And people were basically calling us terrorists and we wanted to kill old people and we wanted, you know, everybody in public schools to get infected and blah, 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 blah. And we were right again. So here's what the New York Times had to say. And I want to I'll read two paragraphs so, so people can't say you're cherry picking here. All right. Are you ready? COVID's toll, to be clear, has not fallen to zero. The CDC's main COVID website estimates about 80 people per day have been dying from the virus in recent weeks, which is equal at about 1% of overall daily deaths. So now 1% of overall daily deaths in this country, everyone is COVID. Now, here's the important part. The official number is probably an exaggeration because it includes some people who had virus when they died, even though it was not the underlying cause of death. The CDC data suggests that almost one third of official recent COVID deaths have fallen into that category. You said that came from the New York Times? Yes, So why are they kicking the New York Times off Twitter? Because they're (laughs) peddling disinformation. You're right. 100%. You know who was right? Us. You know who was right on about just about everything with COVID? Us. You know who was wrong? The government. You know who was wrong? Holcomb. You know who was wrong? Dr. Box, gynecologist. You know who was right? Us. We get proven right time and time and time again. And these government people who lied to you, who manipulated you, who warped you nothing happens to them nothing happens to these people who lied ethan it's clear that although the virus was very real most of the response was a total scam now you and i and see i appreciate you know i appreciate you because you admit when you're wrong and you and i had some spirited conversations very true you were the uh, producer on the award-winning uh now defunct Rob Kendall show, which you could hear Sundays here on WIBC. And you and I had some very spirited conversations on air about this. And I remember saying, I don't believe any of this bull crap. I know what I'm seeing in public. I know what the data, if you actually read the data is showing you that 
Yes, if you're an elderly person, if you're a person with certain health issues or comorbidities, as they might be called, then yes, you should probably sit this one out until we have more information. But Ethan, you, me, Kevin, able-bodied people under the age of 60 with no underlying health conditions, go to work and keep the economy rolling, and the government refused to differentiate between people based on their age, their health, or anything, they lumped everybody into the same bucket. I thought extreme prudence in the face of an unknown pandemic was warranted. I believed in what President Trump was saying at the time, which is we needed to follow the directions of the CDC. And you're right, I erroneously believed that it, w- it was prudent to shut down, and what a mistake that was. I got, I got, I made the wrong call, Rob. All right, uh, speaking of wrong, wrong call... <laughs> There's nice a, segue. There's a new. That's what I do. I'm a highly trained professional, Ethan. <laughs> there's a new poll out that shows Donald Trump now leads Ron DeSantis, who is clearly still in second, by 39 points. Jeez, this that's is not even close. This is an I and I tip poll, which shows Donald Trump now has an astounding 53 percent of the Republican vote, and Ron DeSantis is. 39 points behind at 14%. All right, so let's get down to the brass tacks here, Rob, because I recall us having a conversation on my show Saturday night on The Circle, which you can hear Saturday 7 to 9 on WIBC, where we were talking about uh, uh, the, the election field for the 2024 cycle, and I said it was giving me major 2016 flashbacks because of the diversity among Republican candidates, which ultimately benefited Donald Trump. Now, do you think that those percentage points, which are you know, uh, shaved off of other candidates would go to Trump if DeSantis was the only other option. I think it's time for Republicans to consolidate against uh, with uh, or consolidate with the most likely candidate to beat Trump. Well, because be, but diluting the field, they they strengthen his probability of winning the primary, which I think is very, 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 very strong at this point. Okay, so I will say this: the survey was July fifth through seventh. They describe it as four hundred and eighty six registered Republicans and independents who lean Republican. So I do have an issue with that because in a primary, it is like likely voters is who you're going to want over registered voters. Sure. And independents really don't, for the most part, count in a primary because in many states, independents aren't allowed to vote in primaries. You got to declare a party. I mean, there's just a variety of hurdles for an independent to actually vote in a primary. And an independent to me, would be more apt to lean Trump based on a variety of viewpoints that he has. So I'm going to call bull crap, not on the fact that Trump has a, probably still a sizable lead. You don't think I, it's that big? I don't think it's 39 points. I do think it's still probably somewhere between 20 and 25 points, which is unbelievable. Now, to your question, I'm not sure the Republicans are united enough in opposition to Trump to coalesce around a single person. Because if you look at this poll, and this is also something very interesting in it, Ramaswamy is third, according to this poll. What a surprise. Which I'm not sure I don't believe. Boy, that was some great grammar there, right? My mother, the English (laughs) teacher, is going to hit me with that with a double negative. I think I believe that. Yeah. As weird as that sounds, I think he's the dark horse candidate. He's the surprise here. He is. 
Now, I don't think he's going to stay because Andrew Yang, remember there was a, a world in which Andrew Yang was a viable candidate for president for the Democrats early on because he had some interesting ideas and was kind of goofy and lovable. I think that's Ramaswamy right now. But I think you've got, if you're Pence, obviously, and this was before the Pence gaffe, so Pence is done, that 6% for Pence doesn't count. But if you're Haley at three, Scott at three, Christie at two, what are you doing? Yeah. Even if, let's say, let's say Trump isn't at 53. Let's say Trump is at, I'll just pick a number. Let's knock 15 off. He's at 38. I think he's probably ahead of 38, but let's just for argument's sake, he's at 38. You're not, if you're Christie, you're not going from two to 38. If you're Tim Scott, you're not going from three to 38. If you're Nikki Haley, you're not going from three to 38. So even if Trump isn't doing as well as this poll says he is, you, there's no path for you. You're just taking up oxygen and are on television. And so if, to your point, come September, do you remember the 21st night of September? Maybe someone will remember the 21st night of September and will say it on the 21st night of September, I'm out of this thing because I've taken up enough TV time and I can't win and we got to get behind somebody the same way the Democrats did uh, to stop Bernie Sanders. How many of this is a subsidiary question for you, Rob? How many of these people do you think are legitimate and real? What I mean by that question is how many of these people are actually running with sincerity for the office of president because they believe they have a path to victory versus the amount of people who are grandstanding for a position in the administration. How many of those Republicans in the field right now truly think they can win? Uh, I think, I think obviously DeSantis does. Yeah, I think there's probably a world where Tim Scott envisions if I have a moment on the debate stage, I can coalesce, especially now with the Pence gaffe. Maybe I become a viable person. I think the others right now, Ramaswamy, Scott, Pence is Haley. Yeah, Pence lives in delusion land. They're trying to be the alternative, right? They're not, if you're smart, you're not trying to say I can beat Trump right in this moment. You're trying to become last man standing as the alternative to Trump, which means you got to get past DeSantis. You got to coalesce. And I always thought Tim Scott was kind of best positioned to be that guy based on his story, based on his politics. DePaulian doesn't show that right now, but it's a long way away. And if you can get, let's say after Iowa, they all want obviously a world where Ron DeSantis does or whoever the alternative is does well because that keeps the game going. If you can get it down to three people after Iowa, then maybe there's some sort of world. But gosh darn it, Ethan, I don't know. At this point, what Trump can do, the indictments don't work, the criminal prosecutions don't work, the bad press doesn't work. If we've compared this before, sometimes you get in a relationship where every one of your friends is telling you that person is awful for you. That is an awful person who is awful for you. And for various reasons, it's different with every person. However, there is usually a common theme on why you would stay with that person. We're not going to get into it on a family program like this. You will not leave the person who everyone around you is telling you that person is a toxin and a poison and is ruining your existence. And there's nothing you're going to be able to say because of the physical, emotional, whatever attachment that that person has. Or uh, I can't quit you, right? And there it just appears to be Trump. Yeah. It doesn't matter. He can do no wrong. It's, it's pretty incredible. It's interesting. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, Ethan and I are going to have a discussion we were having during the top of the hour break, which is the Jefferson Shreve issue right now and his major gaffe 
on public safety policy related to guns. Where does that rank in times of in terms of all time unforced mistakes by Indiana politicians? I think we're going to agree on number one, but maybe not. We'll talk about it when we come back. It's Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. But singing in the dead of night. Oh, take these broken wings Doing and learn so to fly. Well, just take it all in. The stager was great. I love Arrested Development. You were doing so well. <laughs> it's Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. I'm Rob. Kevin's here for now. Ethan Hatcher. What do you have against this song? This song is great. I just think the Beatles are just the most overrated thing in the history of ever. And society between the years of 1964 and 1970 was suffering from some sort of unknown hypnosis, amnesia. Maybe it was enacted by the CIA or the FBI. You have such great papers on it. You have such great taste in music, Rob. But when it comes to the Beatles, it's like you have talent blindness. I don't I don't get it. Well, I just I just think most of it's complete crap. I mean, you're going to listen to crap. lovely Rita Meter Maid, and you're going to tell me that is like some earth-changing thing, or uh, number nine, Wait, Strawberry, Octopus's Garden. Yeah, I mean, there's what's wrong with that? I mean, it's 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 Yellow it's, Submarine. Uh, yes, it's again. Thank you. Yes, complete. We it's complete Love crap. It. You know what? It's either I play the Beatles or John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band. <laughs> Which one is it going to be? I love how Kev asserts his control over the board and he threatens the host like you will eat this music and you will like it buster i take music very seriously yeah so just to answer your question no, i just i just have never i recognize that there was an amnesia or hypnosis or something that overtook this country for those six years and it has continued down the generations it's like someone's great because you say it is without anything to back it up. Now, I will say as a younger man, I was a much bigger fan of the Beatles yeah. than I find myself as an adult. I've I've shifted my musical taste a little bit. I, I'm more of a more of a kinks adherent these days. Look, everybody's got their own thing. I just refuse to tell you that I think uh, Glass Onion or Number Nine or Blue Jay Way, Lucy or, in the Sky, or any of the rest Strawberry of that uh, stuff. No, it's just it's all it's all crap. And I'm not going to tell you that. Oh my gosh, I think it's. I think like when I'm sixty for the benefit of Mr. Kai. I think when I'm sixty four is Penny mildly Lane. mildly humorous. I, like I would listen to that probably. Uh, Let it be is fine. I will give you. Let it be. Uh, Eleanor Rigby is okay, but the I am the walrus. Uh, baby, you can drive my car. Yes, I'm gonna be a star. Beep beep. Uh, beep beep. Yeah. No, I, I'm not giving I do, you that. I do. I'm not I do. Shout. I want to hold your hand. I'm not giving you that. No. Yeah, I do kind of agree with you that like the mythology of a band eventually becomes larger than the band itself yes, as thank time you. goes on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but they really did all those things. That was a hell of a talent and a hell of yeah, a, a catalog for such a short amount of time. But you're right. There are people that never even listen to the Beatles that will just say they're great. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Okay, let's get to uh, not listening. Uh, it appears Jefferson Tree may have not been listening to his uh, Republican base, obviously, with the... Uh, by the way, let me say this. Uh, we hope to have him on the show. I wish he was on the show now. They've accepted the invite twice, and it keeps getting pushed back, and I've made it very clear, because we're honest with our audience, the longer he doesn't talk to our audience, and let's face it, we are the straw that stirs the drink in central Indiana, especially in terms of conservative Republican politics, 
He is doing himself a disservice. And he had the opportunity to speak with a Marion County voter in his voting base. I'm in the district and I would love to have talked with Jefferson Shreve about his public safety proposals and potential alternatives that he could seek. But, you know, well, I we'll, guess he we'll we'll see. We're hoping tomorrow. We hope he'll be here tomorrow because it would I think it will Chicken go out. a long way for him. We're not going to say that yet, Ethan. We're going to give him another day and we're going to hope that he does that because he needs to address the issue. Putting your head under the covers and pretending it didn't happen is not going to solve this issue. And there are a lot of very angry Republicans right now who are not going to vote for him. Now, he can win those people back. I'm confident he can, but he's got to address the issue. He's got to explain himself, and he's got to talk about alternatives. And uh, look, here is the crazy thing about Jefferson Shreve's plan. The other parts of his public safety plan are pretty good. Sure. There's something that if he had just done those, we would have been on here talking about those. So I do want to talk about those as well, but he's got to figure out a way to get past this horrific plan with to punish law-abiding gun owners. And some of those things are things the mayor's office has the legal authority to do, like adding 300 more police officers to IMPD. They can actually do that. The mayor's office has the ability to hire more police. They do not have the legisla uh, legislative authority through the city council to regulate gun control, ban certain classes of firearms, limit uh, permitted carry to the county. That's stuff that just doesn't have the ability to do. So it got me thinking, and this is operating from the standpoint he doesn't rectify the issue, which is a big step. We hope he will. Maybe tomorrow's the day. Let's, we'll see what happens. But if he doesn't rectify this issue, where does this stand in terms of all-time great gaffes, unforced errors by Hoosier politicians? And I think... Number one is probably pretty clear. Like if we were doing our Mount Rushmore here, it would have to be Richard Murdoch during the 2020, 2012 U.S. Senate debate, right? Is it Richard Murdoch or is it Mike Pence? Because I battled that. They're definitely number one and number two, but I think Mike Pence's uh, stepping in it with Rifra might be more egregious since he was at the time the sitting governor, whereas Richard Murdoch was just the Treasury Secretary seeking a higher office, which he was ultimately denied. At the time, that could have crashed Pence's entire governorship, well, which it very nearly did. Yeah, well, yeah. So doesn't that make it worse in like in in terms of impact? The Rifra issue was well. The Rifra issue is Mike Pence is a person who, despite what he espouses publicly at his core, is a politician and cares only about his own power and reelection, and that is why classic Mike Pence. Rifra is the most Mike Pence thing ever. He got told something, and I'm telling you, this is how it went down, because this is how almost everything went down with Mike Pence when he was governor, because Mike Pence, just like his brother, they're very lazy people. They don't do their homework. They don't do research. They don't dig into policy details. Mike Pence was told by his people, this is a great thing for you. If you want to be president, this is, you got to sign this. This is a great way to do this. This is right in your wheelhouse. He had no idea what he was actually signing when he signed it. That's why he did the photo op that he did that totally blew up in his face. And then that is why when he went on Stephanopoulos, he melted because he, Mike Pence is not a details person. That's why he was a crappy congressman. That's why he was ultimately a crappy governor. Mike Pence is great, likes the idea of being in the office. He doesn't like actually doing the work. So, yes, Mike Pence melted down on national television over Rifra and totally embarrassed our state because he is not a detailed person who didn't do his homework, and he does not like to be challenged, as we found with Tucker Carlson. However... 
Richard Murdoch was going to be a U.S. senator. I mean, there was no doubt about it. If he had called in sick, True. if he'd had a flat True. tire, if he had anything to avoid that debate. And the crazy thing about Richard Murdoch, and this is one of the really sad, sad things, because if you think about Richard Murdoch would have been a really good U.S. senator because Richard Murdoch at his core was a brilliant guy. He was like a gemologist. He was a Lincoln historian. He was a great state treasurer. Richard Murdoch would have been a phenomenal fighter in the U.S. Senate. But to his own detriment, Richard Murdoch campaigned at an excessive level and he wore himself out and he was told before that debate, the days leading up to it, you need to go home and rest because you have this debate. No, no, no. I'm going to be fine. And he went in there and he didn't listen to people. And he said something that was just simply unbelievable that a per the way he worded it for someone of his skill set and ability to articulate conservative values, he's got to be number one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I buy your argument. So he's number one. Pence is number two. And then Shreve, I think, is a strong candidate for number three. <laughs> well, we'll see how it goes. I mean, he's still got a chance to redeem himself. But uh, all right, let's take a break. When we come back, we've got some audio from Ron DeSantis on Russia, Ukraine. We've got James Comer blasting the Biden plea deal. A lot of audio coming up next. Kendall and Casey, 93 WIBC. It's the Kendall and Casey Show. 93 WIBC. I'm Rob. Kevin's last day. Ethan Hatcher in for in for uh, Casey. And uh, let's turn our attention back to the Ukraine, shall we? Because oh boy. we, uh, boy, I'll tell you what. We had, uh, Jerry Lopez and I had a long conversation about this yesterday. That. My issue with Ukraine, well, I have multiple issues with Ukraine. One, we're $32 trillion in debt. We should not be giving other people our printed money. And But I think the bigger issue is I have no idea where the money is actually going. Sure. Like there's no weekly or monthly or whatever explanation of your printed money that made everything else more expensive in your life or your kids will have to pay off bought a b and c it helped win this battle and it made the russians more difficult because of x y and z there's never any of that we just keep throwing money and munitions and everything else at these people and there's no accountability whatsoever for any of it you remember when 10 billion dollars was too much to build the wall yes you're right and jerry mentioned that yesterday and you're absolutely right ethan that whenever it's something that people are really fired up about there is no there is no, no money end. to spare. Yeah, there. Yeah, but when it's when it's something that like conservatives want, oh my gosh! Well, this is this is no. There's. Oh, I'm sorry. We have to really start, you know, clamping down on our expenditures. <laughs> uh, and I think the most disheartening part of this whole Ukraine debacle, and we talked about how yesterday they voted down an amendment in the House that would have required an actual strategy for Ukraine. You can't even get Republicans. In the, who control the House, to say, yeah, we need to have an actual strategy on Ukraine. It is the Republicans, to me, who are the backstabbers on this because I want accountability. I don't know whether I'm for this or not. I think I'm against it because it doesn't seem like I'm getting a very good return on investment. But I don't know for sure because it's all hidden and clouded in secrecy. 
I am inclined to be sympathetic to the plight of Ukraine specifically because I believe Joe Biden in his negligence as executive invited the attack. It only happened after he gave that disastrous press conference where he tipped the hand of United States geopolitical strategy and said explicitly if a quote minor incursion were to occur on Ukraine from the Russian government, the U.S. would not intervene militarily and boom, they attacked. So I feel in many ways Joe Biden created the circumstance whereby this was allowed to happen and turning a blind eye could potentially further weaken the geopolitical and diplomatic strength of the United States or invite further incursions from uh, bad actors abroad, most notably China, in my opinion. All right. So Ron DeSantis was on yesterday with Jake Tapper. Uh, I thought it was a very interesting interview. I thought it was actually a pretty good back and forth. Um, And he was asked about ending the war with Ukraine and Russia. So when you talk about trying to bring uh, bring an end to the conflict, would you um, push Zelensky to make concessions to Russia, to cede land that Russia seized in, in, in its attack? So what I would say is what the goal should be a sustainable, enduring peace in Europe, but that one that does not reward aggression. And there's going to be different levers that you're going to be able to pull. We will pull some levers against Russia. We're going to do be much more aggressive on energy and export because I think that's been Putin's lifeline. I want the Europeans dependent on the United States for that, not him. We're also going to turn the screws on the Iranians. The Iranians have been one of Putin's biggest benefactors and they've benefited from Biden's approach there. So, so we'll use the leverage that we have, uh, but the goal is going to be a sustainable peace that does not reward aggression. Again, though, there's it's like How do you get there. There's no specifics. There's no we're going to do A, B, and C, and nobody defines what success is. It's mission accomplished all over again, yeah. right? There's, it's like Trump saying that he would end this in a sure. day. In 24 hours, it's over. What is the goal? What is the end? And more importantly, once you define what the end is, how do I get to the end and what is the timetable for the end? I'm not opposed necessarily to helping these people. I am now opposed to it, though, based on the fact that there's never any information that comes out and we just keep throwing money at it them. It can't turn into another forever war, which is what this seems to be shaping up like, just another endless conflict to throw money at to support the uh, military-industrial complex and all the good-time fun buddies uh, they're, they're uh, associating with government. All right, let's switch gears. It's Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob. Ethan Hatcher and for Casey today. Uh, James Comer, he is the head of oversight in the House and he is obviously digging in deep to the Bidens. He's a representative from the state of Kentucky. And he was on, I uh, believe this was Newsmax yesterday. No, he was on with Benny Johnson yesterday, in fact, on his podcast. And uh, he was talking about the Hunter Biden plea deal and rightfully so, not happy. Anyone whose last name's not Biden wouldn't, wouldn't have gotten anywhere near a plea deal that he got. We think he owed about four times in federal taxes. Remember, he owed $2 million. We think that number is probably four times that amount. Uh, We think he violated RICO laws. We think he violated money laundering laws. We think he violated the Foreign Agents Registration Act, which is a very serious law to break. And we think Joe Biden not only knew about it, but played a central role in this, which is even more concerning because he's the president of the United States. Yes. So, uh, I think that the Department of Justice is realizing they have a problem here. And it amazes me that the media goes on TV and they talk about Biden's low poll numbers and say, well, this is a result of his 
age and his appearing frail on TV and his proneness <laughs> to get, make gaps. I think it's a direct result of the American people realize, wait a minute, his granddaughter got a wire from a Romanian foreign national and his son committed all these crimes and never went to jail when our prisons are full of African-Americans and other minorities who had minor drug possessions and the illegal possession of a firearm, but this white privileged son of the President of the United States yes. gets off scot-free? I think people are realizing that. He makes a compelling point, yeah. which is look at how obvious the evidence is in front of Hunter and Joe Biden or dealing with Hunter and Joe Biden, and yet nothing happens. And then you have Trump where they are obsessed with jamming a square peg into a, into a round hole. And people look at this and they're like, what is going on here? This is clearly not equal justice no. under the law, but nobody prepared, appears to be prepared to do anything to force equal justice under the law. And so it comes back to like during the debt ceiling negotiation, one of the things that's so frustrating is that was the Republicans chance to stick it to the Democrats and get whatever they wanted because Joe Biden said we absolutely cannot default on our debt. And yet the Republicans got basically nothing yeah. out of that. And so we keep funding. Chuck Schumer was doing victory laps yeah, we on keep, that. We keep funding all these liberal dreams and liberal priorities and funding Joe Biden and funding his presidency. And it, oh my gosh, he's the most worst, corrupt, awful, evil person ever. Well, here's all your money and all your priorities funded. These two things do not go together. Yeah. Uh, Representative Pat Fallon, um, he was uh, he was where was it? Was it news? I think he was one on Newsmax yesterday, and he was talking about that there is apparently, according to him, proof that the Burisma CEO gave Joe and Hunter Biden five million dollars each. You know what, after Harris, I read the 1023, which was the uh, document that was generated by a highly reliable and credible FBI source that they've worked with him for 10 years and paid him hundreds of thousands of dollars and everything he's ever said is checked out. And he was directly talking to the Burisma CEO and he, the Burisma CEO said that he gave Hunter Biden $5 million and Joe Biden $5 million. He says he has records and he also has audio recordings. If we get a hold of those, you're talking about the largest political scandal in American history. That was Fox News, by the way. I want to give uh, proper credit for that. He's right. Yeah. But it's always like, well, we're told this, or we got a guy that says that. Where is it? Where's the stuff? We're always told about these bombshells with the Republicans, and this will be the biggest story in the history ever. And then it never pans out. And even if the on the rare occasions where it does pan out, nothing happens to these people. Nothing ever happens. The The... Republican candidate for president is on about to go on trial for his life, and nothing ever happens to Joe or Hunter Biden. Joe Biden will be long gone before they ever get around to doing anything about him or his son. If you or I violated the law the way the Biden crime family does so flagrantly, of course it would be straight to jail, do not pass go, do not collect $200. Not only that, but you have Hunter documenting his transgressions. He is filming himself smoking crack driving around the neighborhoods of Arlington, Virginia. He is filming himself driving 170 miles per hour down the road uh, heading to Las, uh, Las Vegas. He is filming himself having these uh, interactions with prostitutes discussing illicit transactions with Russians, uh, ha having his uh, material stolen potentially by spies. Lots of stuff going on. A and just nothing happens from it. It's, it's crazy to watch how insiders operate within the government and the pass they are given. I mean, they have incredible amounts of plot armor. 
All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we will wrap up the show. It's Kendall and Casey show. Ethan Hatcher in for Casey. Kev's here for now. 93 WIBC. Hey, guys, it's Rob, and I've got an important question for you. Did you know 96% of Americans, yes, 96% forfeit $111,000 in Social Security income? It's true. Learn how you could avoid this with a free Social Security analysis from Bill Demery, your retirement guy in Indy. Casey and I, we trust Bill. We're clients of his, and he knows Social Security like the back of his hand. This free analysis pinpoints exactly when you should file for Social Security while considering your taxes, spousal benefits, and Medicare premiums. If you've saved at least $200,000 for retirement and have not filed for Social Security, schedule your free analysis by calling 317-932-9912. Save yourself a ton of time and don't lose a dime in Social Security income. Schedule your free analysis by calling 317-932-9912. We were just kidding. It's not actually Kevin's last day. People are the best. Yeah, I'm going to stick around for a little bit. You missed earlier in the show, Kevin was playing just horrible music. He was playing the Beatles. He was playing John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown. And I just joked, he said, it's Kevin's last day. And people over social media, oh my gosh, Kevin's leaving. What? No. No, Kevin's not going anywhere. Kevin will be Kevin will be right back here tomorrow. Yeah, it I, is. I feel very happy to know that people appreciate me. You know, Kevin comes off, this is the thing about producer Kevin, he comes off as this real sweet easygoing guy, but there's actually just a very maniacal underbelly to Kevin, because he looks at me and goes, yeah, let's play it up. Let's make him suffer. Let's make him think I'm leaving forever. It's all an act. <laughs> it's Kevin. a clever disguise, a ruse. Uh, Ethan Hatcher in for Casey today, and uh, last segment of the show, and I just, man, I hate to do this, because it just, it breaks my heart what this place has become, because I have just so many awesome memories there. More violence in Broad Ripple last night so i mean we're not you know we're we're, we're, the other night and we're talking about uh this was four people shot sunday morning and it is just a reoccurring theme you know of and this is again it's an older story but but it, it goes back to violence in and around the city of indianapolis and yes, again, this is an older story, but it's a reoccurring thing about violence in Broad Ripple and what's been happening. And how do we get a handle on this? Because it's part of a broader conversation of this city and how we bring the city back and how we fix what is broken to make it what it could be and what it once was. And what I know is, and this is what I struggle with, right? What I struggle with is I know the proposals, I know Joe Hogshead is not the answer, right? Ooh. I absolutely know he has proven himself not the answer. However, I also know the signature part of Jefferson Shreve's proposal, which is similar to Joe Hogshead's proposal, not the answer. And so when I look at what Broad Ripple has become, what downtown has become. There used to be safe havens. And and I remember when I was actively out and about, we kind of used to joke with ourselves because every year the cops would flush the bad guys 
either out of downtown to Broad Ripple or out of Broad Ripple to downtown. So you just alternated year in and year out where you did your drinking and hung out with your buddies at and had a good time because you knew, hey, this place is going to be safe this year because the cops are really stepping it up there and they're not going to let anything happen there. And the next year, okay, we'll be back here. There's nowhere safe to go anymore. There's nowhere, Ethan, in the city where I would walk around going, I feel very safe. And that should not be happening because Indianapolis should be capable. We have the resources. We have the police force. We have the people who want to fix this problem and make this city what it once was so that people don't end up dying in the streets, prominent streets, busy streets, commerce-related streets. We're not talking about alleyways. You know, it used to be like, again, just take Broad Ripple as an example. It used to be that if you were on the main strips and you kept your head down and you didn't instigate anything, you were going to get where you needed to go and you were going to get out in one piece. Now, if you went rumbling around dark, dark alleyways or you went on side streets, Hey, all bets are off. And they used to tell people, do not travel alone on side streets or dark alleyways and really don't travel there, period, at all. You can't do anything now. The violence is front and center. It is front and center downtown. It is happening on prominent streets and prominent locations. Same thing in Broad Ripple. The bad guys don't even care anymore. And I think that's what's so frustrating is nobody seems in a position to do something about it, to have the answer of how do we stop people from killing each other and doing it where other people can get hurt. Crime in Marion County is a multifaceted issue, and there are many steps which have to be implemented to ultimately start solving the problem. But one of the most crucial is having a prosecutor's office that takes violent crime seriously. And it was a damning admission from the Hogsnot administration that we have to hire three federal attorneys to act as special prosecutors here in Indianapolis in order to spin local crimes into federal violations that will be then taken and prosecuted more seriously because we have Ryan, friend of the miscreant Mears, sitting on his hand and letting violent criminals go with little more than a slap on the wrist. It's disgusting. So if you want to solve crime problems in Marion County, one of the most crucial aspects is to have a prosecutor which takes the violent offenders seriously. This is a very common sense solution. And for whatever reason, we only seem to have had problems with this in recent years like the summer of love. Yeah, and you think about, again, coming back to Broad Ripple, this thing now where the business owners have agreed to shut their doors at 1 a.m. And they hoisted themselves on the their own petard for the sake of Joe Hogsnot City taking public safety on their shoulders. And of course, it still has done little to nothing because it doesn't begin with the business owners. It begins with the prosecutor's office. The business owners are not the problem with the criminal element in Marion County. Sorry. Yeah, and it's just so, to me, it's like very reminiscent of, you remember during covid when that awful mayor of Fishers, Scott Fadness, old Madness Fadness, just arbitrarily decided to virtue signal and go, uh, we're going to close all the bars between Christmas and New Year's at, at 10 p.m. Everything shuts down at 10 p.m. And what he did was take those people's busiest time of the year, one of the busiest times of the year, and during their busiest hours, basically, right? Newsflash, people drink at night, later into the night, and for no rhyme or reason other than to virtue signal, look at me and how great I am, 
the amount of money and potentially business survival he cost those people because what were we supposed to believe COVID stopped at 10 uh, uh, pre before 10 COVID wasn't dangerous, but after 10, it got really, I mean, it's stupid, so right? Look who's taking it in the teeth. It's the citizenry. Exactly. It's the people who support the city and they're being punished when you have criminals that are allowed to essentially run free. And this is a little different in the sense of, I guess the business merchants agreed to voluntarily do this, but it's, is it though? Because it's pressure from the city that You're made right. them do that. You're right. It's the it, and it's the same thing. And I'm just so sick of these idiot politicians who couldn't run a dry cleaner if their life depended on it. Not that it's easy to run a dry cleaner, but I just I I say Wendy's and people are like you say that all the time. I was trying to come up with different things. Um, couldn't run anything. How about that? They couldn't run anything, and yet couldn't run a lemonade stand. Yeah, well, I, they couldn't run anything, Ethan, and yet they're out here telling these business owners, pressuring business owners on how to run their business or forcing business owners to cover for their incompetence. Man, it sucks to have had memories somewhere. And and I know people are driving down the road and they're hearing my voice right now. And the, people can identify with this. It sucks, Ethan, to have memories somewhere. It sucks to remember something as being something and seeing it just gutted from what it once was and realizing it didn't have to be that way. This is not the distant past, Rob. You and I remember what Indianapolis was like in 2015. Hell, I was living here. Yeah, and I was drinking here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, and so, look, and again, this is part of why I really hope we get Jefferson Shreve on the show tomorrow has an opportunity to redeem himself in terms of his explanation on this public safety plan. We cannot have four more years of Hogsett. And I want there to be an answer, and I want him to have an explanation that makes people happy and can bring these people back into the fold because this city changes rapidly, not just by the year. It changes rapidly, not just by the month or by the week. It seems to change rapidly by the day, and it never seems to be in a good fashion under the leadership of Joe Hogsett. And I hate to think of what it's going to look like or what it's going to be like. Yeah. In four more years, if we got to deal with four more years of Joe Hogsett and Ryan Mears. And I struggle with this because Hammer is not wrong for his absolute hatred now for Jefferson Shreve and his gun proposal plan. Trust me, I'm going to be the last guy who's going to look at you and go, you're being a little extreme with that politician there, buddy. But I also look at it as Jefferson Shreve is definitely, eight, even with this stupid proposal that has nowhere to go, is 80% better than... sure. What Joe Hogsett is. No, as a Marion County voter, if it was Orange Peel versus Joe Hogsnot, I'm team Orange Peel. Yeah. So despite the disastrous public safety proposal from Jefferson Shreve, I likely will continue to support him through the campaign. However, a lot of people won't right now. Right. However, a lot of people are not. And my vote was never the one you needed to win, Jefferson, because I was always going to oppose Joe Hogsnet. Yeah, that's just. Yeah, you can't have four more years. You're, you're absolutely right. So hopefully there is some sort of answer to this, whatever it is, whoever the mayor is, whoever the city council is, because, man, it is just completely out of control. And this city should not be this way. Ethan, you did a phenomenal job today. Thank you, as always, my friend. Thanks for inviting me. Don't forget, you can catch Ethan Saturday, 7 to 9 p.m. Saturday night on The Circle. Kev, going out with a bang. I like it. You can come back tomorrow. Stick around. Tony Katz up next. And the award-winning Kurt Darling, John Herrick with the news. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.